I would not. No way in hell would I go out in the middle of the fucking night after one of my friends goes missing to look for them. The idea that in a Blair Witch situation, you don't realize that you would be the first one to die says so much about your belief in yourself, and I, I love that for you. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Blair Witch Project. The original, not the crappy Adam Wingard remake. Do you need to get Adam Wingard's name out of your fucking mouth right now, all right? Uh, he, what he did to Death Note, I will never forgive him. I blame Netflix for that. That was Netflix, right? Uh, yeah i think so yeah it's it's been it's been a while um well i think something really cool happened when this movie came out it kind of like changed horror movies for a while um and it spawned like a kind of a new genre of horror movies a new genre of, of film in general and that's like the found footage uh genre subsection it, I think comparatively to like really famous ones like Paranormal Activity, which I think kind of turned it on its head again and did it really well, at least the first, maybe like first two. But for me, it's hard to like look at Blair Witch Project and especially knowing for the time how how like well it tricked people into like the mass majority thinking that it was real found footage kind of like baffles me as much as I've read about it. I am. Um, yeah. So going into this, you obviously know now 24 years later. Um, I think it's just kind of really well done. And it's hard to describe with the fact that like, so the acting is bad, but like I, in a good bad way like it looks it seems the acting is so realistic right and like especially when they're doing the parts that are supposed to be sort of staged like when she's talking to the camera yes um see the the, when you said that to me before i was just like i don't think so because i i was like i think they're doing a pretty good job of just being natural about it but when you're on camera and you know you're on camera you have this like kind of bravado about yourself like the showmanship about yourself and i i now know what you mean like the the way someone would pose being their first time posing in front of a camera, that's the way they're going about it. No, exactly. Um, and it just, I, I was talking with this one person. I was like, yeah, you know, the movie, I think it loses something when you know that it's obviously fake. I think even... Even in 1999, have if I had gone to it and would have been like, well, I don't actually believe this is real. I still think the hint of a doubt adds something to the movie that is kind of lost now. And that's like one of the main takeaways of this movie is just like the adventized nature of it. This was like a, a $60,000 movie whose budget kind of blew up once they realized it was going to be successful with like marketing and everything. Um, so 60000 to make made $250 million. Yeah. Um, and that I, I read somewhere where that's like every 
dollar that they spent on the budget that equals to over ten thousand dollars that they made back for every dollar they spent well and they even like sold the camera as the camera from blair witch and made like 10k off of that so oh yeah did that i i saw that they did that but i don't know how much how much they actually made off of that yeah so i but but my point is like this is the type of thing that obviously can't happen really anymore like you can do like some viral marketing for things. Like I remember Smile last year did this thing where uh, they had paid actors go to baseball games and just smile creepily in the crowd, like right, right behind a home plate. Right. So like you can build, but like build, you know, a marketing in a viral guerrilla style way. But this, they were putting up like wanted posters, or, like, you know, missing posters. They, um, the IMDb for these three people was missing, presumed dead. Like just oh my like, god just like really like it, it's kind of funny too that like the kind of the creators of this movie like never really went on to like kind of match that it just like because all of the ideas they had just everything worked right like everything they did worked. yeah and like i know you probably read too a lot of like how they filmed this movie and in retrospect it seems fucking crazy and it all just worked really well into like a pretty great movie there there is there is some really crazy facts about this film. Um one of them you kind of brought up is that for like a marketing thing they put missing posters around. I think it was Utah when they were doing the when it was coming out in Sundance. Apparently one thing I read was that an actual executive that was visiting for the Sundance for like one of the films actually went missing that week in Utah. So they had to take down all the fake ones so that it wouldn't confuse the investigation with the real guy missing. Yeah, he was end up found. Um, and but like, like it's just hard to kind of describe like watching this for the first time so many years later. Just like I don't know. It's just it's kind of like a just a, it's a respect I have for how good the movie turned out because I going into it was like. Well, I know it's fake, so this is kind of like all BS. I mean, I don't know how what to expect from this. You know, I'm going to have to just kind of get through it. And I, I will say that, like, I'll never watch it again. Like, the, it's, <laughs> it is like a one-time thing for me. But it was just, it was really good. It, like, really holds up. The, the, <laughs> the first time I watched this was, oh, man, I don't even remember. I mean, it was years back. It was at least... It was before I even met my wife. So it was like at least nine, 10 years ago, at least. And I remember knowing it was fake, but I think even like 10 years ago, I, as a kid, I was just not a kid kid, but you know, I, I had this little doubt that maybe it was real. Maybe it was fake, especially maybe even if I, uh, more so if I watched it in high school, I can't remember, but like, you know, kids talk and they're like, have you seen the Blair Witch Project? Have you seen the Blair Witch Project? Heard, heard that shit was real, man. You know, and then so when you sit down and watch it and you're like, nah, it's fake. But then like a little bit, it it freaks you out. I remember being really freaked out when I first watched this years ago. Now, when I see it, I kind of have that appreciation that you're talking about where it's like, I know it's fake, but if this was to be believed real, it's one of the scariest things to watch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that they made some like interesting choices too. You know, you have the Jaws thing where, you know, they, and in this movie, they don't show anything, right? Um, but just 
you know, the the idea of not showing what the Blair Witch is, I think is kind of a genius move. Although in this instance, I did read that there was going to be a Blair Witch was just going to be this kind of white, all white ghostly figure. And whoever was holding the camera at that moment just forgot that they were supposed to pan over and didn't. And then they were like, all right, we can't reshoot it. Because one of the aspects of this movie, too, and I'm sure you read this, was that that and I find this part crazy. But like the director and the and like any professional camera people weren't with them. They they filmed they this themselves. Them. Yeah, they just gave him the camera and were like, follow these trails and just get what you get. They yeah, like gave them direct general directions of what they wanted to do. They were yeah. like, at, at one point, they told Mike, like, "Hey, you're the one that lost the map." So at some point, let them know. Um, or I, maybe even he like like, "Hey, lose the map on purpose." Um, so it is funny that like they basically really did this to these people in certain instances, and like I guess the proof is in the pudding, but it's also like kind of a little fucked up, like not something that what's well, risky, necessarily right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because uh, another thing I read, and I don't want to keep going back to this, but they had to cut a lot of stuff because you know Mike and Heather get into it in the movie, but in reality, yes, yeah, yeah. Like Josh and Heather, like not almost came to blows, but I think she bit somebody at some point. But like it, like there was a lot of tension because they are actually feeling like they're fucking lost in the woods in a lot of scenarios. Yeah, I mean, this is a common fact too: is that Heather, you know, brought a knife to thinking like, oh, am I, is this like a trick to be in a snuff film? Like two guys out in the middle of the woods, no one around. Um, but apparently like the, the woods that they shot in were never like, weren't that big. And right. they were always like no more than maybe like 10 minutes away from highly trafficked highways and roads and stuff. Um, I read somewhere like sometimes towards the end, the roads were like just off camera. And, yeah, like and the other direction, right? Um, one of the coolest facts, and this is like my big one that I've been I've been saving, but since we're kind of going through it, I want to share. And it's a good segue because it happens in the very beginning of the movie. Um, is that in the in the beginning of the movie, after the first 13 minutes, Heather, Mike, and Josh are the only three people we see for the rest of the film. Right. And in those 13 minutes in the beginning, they interview a couple of townspeople. One of the coolest facts I read is that they thought that those townspeople were actually townspeople. And they thought that the Blair Witch um, lore was an actual story within that town. Right. But unbeknownst to them, everyone they they interviewed was a planted actor by the director and all the Blair Witch stuff was made up like the night before. So they went into those woods fully thinking that that's like an ancient lore of the town. Right. Yeah. Which it's not. It's just bullshit. But I, I do think not maybe something you could get away way with today doing to actors. But I think you can see the results of like what happened that this, you know, turned out pretty great. Um, it is, it is interesting too. So like Heather didn't go on to really do anything else. I think she kind of like people sort of hated her character from this. And be, because you have this aspect of like thinking this movie is real, like that sort of stuck with her. I didn't realize the guy that plays Josh, Joshua Leonard is in this really small indie movie that I love called hump day (laughs) okay 
And I just want to talk because we're never going to do Hump Day. I just want to talk a little bit about the plot of Hump Day. So Hump Day is directed by Lynn Shelton, who is a she was an indie director. She passed away in 2020. Um, but it stars Mark Duplass. And the point of Hump Day is these two guys are asked to film a gay porno as sort of like an art piece for a film festival because they're like, what would be the craziest thing to do? And they're like, what if two straight guys fucked on camera? And then the entire movie just becomes this game of gay chicken where neither of them wants to be the one to back off. And Josh plays the other character. And like, I did not recognize him at all. And like, but it is cool that he like had a little bit like of juice after this. I, I, that's one way to put it. Uh, I wonder how much, like how long they had to withhold um, interviews and stuff after this movie came out. I think, I don't know, probably after the theatrical run, they're like, all right, you guys are pretty free to go on this. I'm curious, like with a $60,000 budget, like what they got paid. I didn't see anything on that, but I imagine yeah, that's true. Probably not, nothing. not much, man. Imagine if you got like a point. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. That's but I, yeah. But Heather now grows weed. That's the last fun fact. Let's get into it. So this movie <laughs> takes place in October of 1994 is when the found footage is supposed to have been filmed. Uh, and this is found a year later. And uh, we just assume that these three students were never found. Yeah. Um, and then it opens with this like Dateline type opening, like a bunch of just news stories of like kids and like ha- that have died and like all these bad things that have happened around the Blair Witch. And this is, I guess, not a, a part I expected, but it's also like, I guess a very important part of this story to like set up that this is real. Um, when, when they went into the house and there was all the handprints, which I think was a very cool visual. Um, they were trying to decide what to do for the ending and they went back and forth. I heard that they got a boost in budget. Um, like when this movie ended, they were like, yo, like it's being received so well at the film festival that we're going to give you guys like an extra 30 K to film like an actual ending. And they were like, nah. And instead they used that, um, 30 K. I think they used some of it for more marketing and then they used some of it to, shoot more of that lore in the beginning that you're talking about to make it make sense to make the handprints make sense. So there's an interview in the beginning about a guy talking about a guy who kidnapped children, made one look into the wall while he killed the other kids. Yeah, which is like a fact I kind of forgot when I was watching the end of the movie. And so to to make the ending make sense, they used that budget to go back and shoot that interview with that guy for that connecting storyline. No, yeah, yeah. And that part was that part is cool. It definitely adds a lot to the movie. But I will say that the movie sort of really picks like because you know what this is about at this point, I'm like just like, all right, let's this is cool, but let's like I want to get to let's get to the woods. Oh, okay. Okay. So like cir- circumventing the whole interview when they're finally like they uh they leave the water bottle on their car and they just start walking. Yeah, I'm like, let's let's get to it. Let's uh, um, I, I do like all of that stuff, especially like the way it does tie together. It's it was funny. Like I did completely 
even not remembering that the guy made the one kid hot, like look in the corner so he could kill the other. And then even without that, the ending, just having him looking away is freaky. Like it was. Well, that was really created cool. like a it, like a meme thing, right? Where it's like you're Blair Witching if you just like you're standing in the corner creepily. Why would, why would kids do that? Yeah, you get sent to the corner. Um, the the old woman that they interview. Um, I think she was really creepy and and she set up a bunch of this stuff, too, is kind of like the kickoff being like and and I think everyone knew she was an actor because she, I, th- I heard that she doubled as this sets. Art production director, um, so that was all there, but um, she was the only one that like answered an ad that they needed help for the film. And so I think she she did really good. She came off as super creepy. No, yeah, I agree. I um, I think especially afterwards when they're like, "What the fuck was that?" Like, like they wanted to get out of there. I also, um, they talked to these fishermen, and the one, oh yeah, the one fisherman's like, "Damn kids, never learn." I was like, "Dude, are you the guy from Friday the 13th? That's what oh, you man. always say in a horror movie when kids are about to die. So when they're in the woods after they talk to the fisherman, they're talking about this rock where all this like heinous stuff happened and then but it's just like it's so underwhelming when they're talking about it because it's just a fucking rock well five men were bound to when they started saying five men bound together i was like this is like a human centipede situation like how are they and like now they just by their hands not by their ass (laughs) well exactly but i was unsure when they started talking about it uh but yeah and then they're you know just their intestines pulled out while they're alive sure sure yeah uh and then we just (laughs) One thing about this movie is like as it's going through the days, I was like, how do they keep making it through the night? Like, like, how does it keep they keep surviving? I just assumed they were going to die so much like even so even the point where she films that very like emotional scene where it's just her face and she's like crying and snot dripping and all that. Yeah, I was like, oh, she's like she's dying right now. And I think they live like at least one or two more days after that. that she it's, makes. At, it's at least one more day. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and I love it, too. It's like when when um, Josh goes missing and they book it through the woods, right? They're like, we can't be near the tents. We have to be like in a in like a grassy field. Like to, I think they they ended up being like back to back, but you can't see shit, right? You're just hearing them talking about like we got to go back to back or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like the next shot is like dawn and it's like, holy shit, they <laughs> They survive that. Yeah. So they they get they find this basically like this burial ground area. And one thing that was pointed out that I read and I didn't realize this is that nothing really bad happens to them until Josh knocks over that one pile of rocks that is a burial ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like he knocks it over. There's that night they start hearing noise noises outside the tent and they explore. And I'm just like, fucking idiots man just stay in the tent there's nothing no... bad happened to them well yet nothing right. bad happened yet uh and so then the next day they're like all right let's get out of here and i guess they're getting very... <laughs> it's, it's... <laughs> this kind of connects to when mike gets rid of the map but he's like mike doesn't understand maps <laughs> so he thinks they're useless I kind of understood his point in the sense. Okay, so here's what there's two like super dumb things about this. First of all, when they are 
towards the end of the movie before Josh goes missing, they're lost and they're wanting to go back to the car and they say something like, oh, um, that's okay. If we're missing on Monday, your parents, my girlfriend will know and they're expecting us back. And like the first day we're missing, they're going to call the cops. There'll be a search party. They'll find us, right? And even before that, they start freaking out. They're like, I can't work. I can't miss work on Monday. I got to get back. I got to get back. But the way this is set up is that they have done no, their whole purpose is to do this like investigation thing of on the Blair Witch. They have done none of that at this point. And so it's like, you're supposed to return. Like this whole trip was to take what, two days but you wasted like a whole day of that. I think once they found the Indian burial ground, I mean that like this is a student film. So once they found that, they're just like, all right, this is enough. Like we're good. Um, and so they just want to get out of there. The, the, the other thing that is really funny about the way this movie is constructed, because it ends up feeling like what, seven or eight days. Um, Okay, so they were supposed to, I think they left Friday, so that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, coming back Monday, but they missed Monday, so that's at least four days. I don't know if they died on the 5th. I, I don't think they died on the 5th, because I think then Josh goes missing, and then I think, like, I, there's a few days where they're like, there's a few days where they're trying to find their way out that they can't, and what's funny to me is, they like wake up and they're like, all right, we have all day. We're going to make it. But then like Mike starts crying and then Josh starts crying. And it's like, they're just like, all right, we have to set up camp. It's like, just although, don't cry. Although you, you say that, but there is that day where they were like, let's just head east all day. Right. Let's just head east. south. Right. Or south all Video day. Um, and they did. And then they ended up back and where they started from. So the Blair Witch or the Woods or whatever supernatural entity was not letting them out of there, no matter what they did. I, I, I wonder, would they also potentially looking at the sun? <laughs> like, which, <the laughs> yeah, direction? let's just follow was the sun. The Blair Witch controlling the sun too. Um, the the other part of that is that when Mike throws away the map and and Heather's like, I know where we are. And I'm, I'm just trying to think too. I was like, if you are lost in the woods and everything looks the same and you're, you're looking at a map, then I'm kind of on Mike's side where it's like, no, you're, you're fucked. As soon as you lose track of where you are, you're a goner except for the fact. And this is where I was siding with Heather, except for the fact that they're constantly next to a river. And you know, what shows up on a map very like plainly is water. So all you, it was also a topographical map, which is why Mike couldn't understand it. So it it talked like elevate elevation and stuff like that, and like hills. Um, I think is what was helpful with that. But what you do is you you see the bend of the river. You look at the map. You're like, oh, the river bends this way, and here on the map, the river bends this way. And you're like, then that means we must be there. That's what you do. I guess one of my favorite lines from this in like the second or third day they're trying to get out when like a bunch of noises are happening outside of the tent and they hear like distant snapping of twigs that was one thing i i needed a better like stereo setup for watching this because i had the the um the subtitles on and so i could i could see it say like twigs snapping in distance but i never heard them oh Um, oh but at one point, uh, one of the guys is like, please say it's morning. Please say it's 5 a.m. And she's like, it's 3 a.m. He's like, fuck. 
<laughs> the, you know the the distant um like well maybe you didn't hear it but it it sounded like someone taking two rocks and smacking them together that's a creepy noise that would have that would have woken me up and then you definitely heard the children laughing outside the tent right i did i did and i started just putting the speaker like closer to my ear um but one other thing that is really funny in this movie and like honestly this is not a movie where we can just go day by day because it's just monotonous at that point so it's like more combined but heather's belief in the power of america and being an american is just really warms my heart you know what i mean when she's like oh she's like in this day and age it's hard to get lost in america and then later on she's like well you know what that's not gonna happen because we're in america (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Heather, for your belief. It's like, it's like people go missing and die in America all the time. What are you talking about, Heather? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we can move on a little bit. They, uh, what, they find, there's this one point where they find like voodoo shit everywhere. And like the Heather effigies. won't stop. And Heather won't stop taping. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. What is wrong with you? And I think there's an aspect of this movie that is hard to deal with and it's the fact that heather won't stop taping everything i think the movie does as good of a job as it possibly can in explaining that where she's just like one they talk about later in the movie how oh you're just using this to disassociate but two she's just like this is the reason we're out here and she's got this sort of um one thing I read described her as like Captain Ahab, where it's just like filming this is her is her white whale and like she's gonna just keep doing it. Yep. Um but I I think that aspect is like kind of a weaker part that I think the movie does well enough in explaining. Um <laughs> there's there's the there's the aspect where she films, right? And she has, I think she has the colored camcorder. And then the other guys have like the film. So the film was the film camera is for shooting the documentary. But then the color camera that Heather always has is to document their trip to shoot the documentary. So I think what's really cool is the way this film is edited is it goes back and forth between the two. But do you know where it stops going back and forth between the two? When... Josh lays down in the bush and he's like, just go find the car, get a cop and come back to me when he (laughs) lays down and he has the backpack on the camera breaks in half when he lays down. And so at that point, I think they had to bring in another camera and then in post make it black and white, but it was too clean. So they had to like in post, they had to make it look shitty um, or at least like shittier um, through the entire time until I think probably like what two thirds into the film, they were just using that one because the two guys gave up on, on filming. So it was just Heather's perspective for the rest of the film at that point. So um, when Josh was laying in the bush, it reminded me. So um, my friend had a uh, bachelor party and we just rented a cabin like North of Atlanta. And then for one of the days we went hiking along like the Appalachian trail and it was supposed to be like a six mile hike. And I am not in hiking shape at all. <laughs> and uh, it, it then ended up probably being like closer to like an eight to nine mile hike. But there were several points where I just was like, I could lay down and die right now. Like, <laughs> And I was like, but 
I don't know. At that point, my wife and one kid, I was like, they probably need me to like kind of survive, get, th- get through this. And it wasn't as if like there was anything scary. It's just my legs were tired. So I get <laughs> I get Josh. What, what Josh was going through is probably a college student that just like eats ramen and watches TV all day that he was like, fuck this. on Yeah. Day four. You also had the desperation and the worry that you might just never be found, um, which you did not have, thankfully. Um the, I was okay with that if I was never found. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, one of the funniest things, funniest lines for me in the film was when Heather was crossing that, that um, fallen log bridge. And she's like, if I never cross another fallen log for as long as I live, I'll die happy. And that was like right before they walk the entire day and they come back across the fallen log. And then she just had like a complete mental breakdown. And I was like, yeah, me too. I would also. <laughs> My other favorite part of this movie is so at a certain point, they lose the map. Heather is sort of accepting that this is probably her fault because she was in charge of the map. And she's like, guys, I, I lost it. Things happen. I'm sorry. As soon as Mike admits to kicking the map in, Heather's I just like, that what fucking the fucking but Heather's like, what the fuck is your problem? Are you out of your mind? You killed us. Like, so angry when it's someone else's fault. I kicked that fucking thing in the in the river. I kicked it good. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, bit of an asshole move. Did you see it becoming like, like, um, Josh was the first one to go? Did you see that coming? Or did you think it was going to be Mike? You want me to set up your next fun fact? Oh, no. I <laughs> I didn't really have one. You have one? Well, it was supposed to be Mike leaving, um, but because Josh and Heather were like biting each other's heads off, they took Josh instead. Oh, like, okay. To preserve, like, so no, no one actually died. Um, the stuff with Josh calling out was, was uh, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the witch mimicking his voice because there was also wasn't there also like other screams before any of them went missing. There was like other screams in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was the children and there's other other just like kind of haunting noises. Um, I what's before Josh goes missing, though, there is this part where you talked about earlier. He starts filming Heather and you like really start to feel bad for Heather. And I was like, Josh is just like being a complete asshole. It's like. You guys are went into the woods as helpless people. Like that's sort of a little bit on you. And also like she is your only hope of getting out. So like, why are you fucking with her so much? Like you need her to lead you to safety. When they got out of the tent on like the fourth or fifth night and they had the pile of rocks like outside the tent. Um, and the 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 guys were gaslighting Heather and being like, yeah, those were there. Those had to be there before, like when we set up camp. She's like, we would fucking have noticed these <laughs> like like these showed up in the middle of the night, like between all the noises and stuff. And I was like, that's creepy. Uh, that's terror. There's a lot of the scary. This is interesting because the scary parts of this movie are you trying to live vicariously and like empathize with these characters to, to be how scared they would be and put yourself in their situation and be like, yeah, 
I'd freak the fuck out too. And that's where like most of the horror in this movie comes from. I I absolutely agree. Um, especially when you're like, when, like I said, you're hearing the voice of this guy, you know, who you're like, he's dead. And at one point you have, um, you have like Mike even say like, dude, he's not alive anymore. We should stop chasing after him. And then the next day she finds his teeth. Oh, yeah. Which I like had trouble seeing that it was teeth because the video was so graining. I was like, that's a tooth shape. So, but apparently it was actual teeth. Um, and, uh, I, one thing I read is that she kind of found that like we, we said in the beginning, they sort of gave these guys notes of like what they're supposed to do. So they put that outside of the tent. Heather finds it, films it for a second and just throws it away. And so they had to break character because they wanted them to stay in character the whole time. And they're like, Hey, you need to go look at that again and open it up. Uh, uh, um, there's this moment where they're running through the woods and I, and I think the three of them are still there and you hear Heather go, what the fuck is that? And it's that white figure on the hill that, the, that you were talking about earlier, right. but they didn't tell them that there was going to be some, or at least they didn't tell Heather that there was going to be someone up there looking creepy as fuck. And so that like, what the fuck is that reaction from her is completely genuine. And it makes me think like, like other moments throughout the film where Heather is like, like at the end where she's snotting and crying. I wonder if that's like the actress's actual mental breakdown at that point. Because I would have to think I would have to think that this film was shot pretty chronologically. Um. I would say potentially. I mean, it definitely is shot chronologically, right? And that, as we've talked about, like the whole setup of this movie, the way it was made was to sort of have them really go through this. Um, but but I do think at the end of the day, when there's reprieves and stuff, and there are certain points where they like use the safe word to be like, all right, let's break character for a second, um, that that sort of takes you out of it again, right? Um, so I don't, I don't know that that was necessarily mental, an actual mental breakdown. I do think all three of these people are like fairly talented actors Yeah, to, to yeah. pull this off. Well, like this could have been so bad. Um, one of the, one of the ways they found them was they had people audition. And when they came into the room, they immediately hit them with a question, like a hypothetical to like act this out. And if they hesitated at all, they were gone. And so I think that's a little bit unfair because you are definitely probably getting rid of people who might have, you know, who paused but could have still done a great job. But I mean, I think the result worked out for you. Like, I think you have three people that are really good. Um, I There's another line where uh, Mike at one point was like, uh, which Wicked Witch was worse when they had gone yes. south all day? Because he's like, we're going to go east or west. Which Wicked Witch was worse? Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, and Cal, Cal Ripken Jr. talk, which went right over your head, but very topical of the of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciated that, too. Well, I think I mentioned a deliverance reference that went over your head. No, I didn't go over my head. I just like kind of didn't remember it. I understand uh, what deliverance is. I explained to you after you mentioned that to me, I explained to you the everything that happened in deliverance to poor Ned Beatty. So, um, yeah. That's true. So we're now going to basically the end. We kind of have the iconic scene of Heather in front of the camera, which is just like 
you know, you've seen memed too. With I think the reason I thought she died right then is because it was maybe scary movie or another like, you know, parody type thing where it has like her speaking in front of the camera and then just snot is like flowing down and then you see her like run off and like get killed. Because I also thought at the point where they were running in the woods away from their camp that they were going to die too. I thought several times this was it <laughs> and it was never it. Yeah, um, I, I think that that shot of her with the camera in her face and her crying and snotting everywhere. I think that's like probably the most iconic shot of the of the whole movie that and like the the little effigies are probably the two big takeaways that people recognize this movie from um, like you. What I mean by that is like you see one of them and you're like, that's the Blair Witch Project, right? It's not like Absolutely. you see Mike's face and you're like, that's the Blair Witch Project. Um, but when they have that final night and they hear Josh's screams and they go to fucking investigate. I'm sorry, David, you're 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 my my good friend. Uh, fuck you, dude. I would not. Sorry, I would not go. I would just assume that the witch has like ripped out your vocal cords and she's using it for her own puppetry because I would not. No way in hell would I go out in the middle of the fucking night after one of my friends goes missing to look for them. The idea that in a Blair Witch situation, you don't realize that you would be the first one to die says so much about your belief in yourself. And I, I love that for you. I, I, you know, another interesting thing, too, and I think you kind of hinted at it is that nothing really bad happens to them until they kick over that rock, those pile of rocks. When their camp is rummaged through the little throwaway line is that Josh's stuff is the only one is the only one that was like completely destroyed and spread out. So it's like Josh was immediately the main target for for the witch. He kicked over them rocks. Um, I, uh, the, by the way, this yeah. has nothing to do with anything, but so sure. my son was, <laughs> it's rocks. So my son was digging rocks up in the dirt outside of our house which was a thing i like really needed him to stop doing and so i remembered that as a kid you know when you went to like a science place or a different like place that had a bunch of fucking cheap souvenirs that there was that big thing of rocks yes where you could put in a bag yes so when i was a kid we went to the orlando orlando science center uh, in eighth grade and i bought two baggies of rocks so I told my son that, hey, if you stop digging up these rocks, I'm going to bring you really cool, colorful rocks tomorrow after school. <laughs> he comes into my room at 6 a.m., lays down in the bed, is like knees in my back. And I was like, what, what do you want right now? And he says, I want your rocks. <laughs> I just like started dying laughing. Um <laughs> He got my rocks. So yeah. we get to the end. And this is, I think, one great thing about this movie is even 20-something years later, like I, you talked about the two iconic images. I didn't have any other images of this movie. So I didn't know how this ended. So the house part, when they're going in the house, first of all, like, you know, a person in a movie theater, I'm screaming, why are you going in that house? What are you doing? And second of all, I was like, this is like completely new to me. So like the ending really worked for me. 
I could see that. Like they they go from room to room and then they go upstairs and you don't know what's like you watching this for the first time. You don't know what's behind any like every corner. Like it could be the fucking witch. You don't know. Um, and and Josh is still screaming out there, dude. Like it's the the tension and suspense is building to like a really high point, especially with like Mike running ahead of Heather and Heather falling behind. Um, uh, the soot handprints are probably one of the scariest, creepiest imagery in a horror film I've ever seen. Because they're all small children handprints. What's great about it is the movie makes them present enough so that you can see them, but like not in your face enough to where it's like, hey, look at this cool thing that we put on the wall. Well, because none of the characters call it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so such a smart way to do it. And it is super creepy because you can tell those are children handprints and those are blood. Even though it's black and white, you're like, that's blood. Oh, I, I thought it was like charcoal. I thought it was like soot. Why was it soot? Cause well, because it, it was their bodies burned. Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole house was like decrepit and, and in ruins and stuff like that. And um, there's this moment. I don't know when's the last time or if you ever watched paranormal, paranormal activity. But there's this moment where they're like deep in the middle of being haunted. And there's these like soot covered demon footprints all over their house which to me was one of the scariest and i saw paranormal activity before i saw blair witch so when they found like the demon soot footprints all over their house up their walls and shit on their ceiling and shit like the fucking demon was like running on the walls and ceiling creeped me out so bad so like watching this i was like i wonder if that if uh, paranormal activity was referencing blair witch in that way um well no it's so it's supposed to be blood like i read that it was they used children and red paint to put it on. (laughs) they used real children's blood yes children's hands and and red paint um but either way it doesn't matter i the ending when they go downstairs and one of the things that was happening in this movie i was like why is he running so fast away from her and that's just obviously because he was told to um but when it cuts to Mike's camera and you see him get knocked out and you're like, oh, shit. And then she goes in there and she sees him standing in the corner and she gets knocked out. It's just it. And then it just cuts. It yeah. is such a perfect way to end it. Now, you, you talked about how there are alternate versions where they like crucify Mike, where they show him hanging this and that. And yeah. those would have been fine, too. I mean, we've talked about hereditary before, but this was just a great way to end like a very well done found footage $60,000 movie. It's really smart too, because they were like, they, okay. So if you were to believe that this was real, then whoever found the footage and edited this together would have had to find both cameras in that house. Right. Right. So if Mike was hung, or crucified then there had to have been like a noose or a cross and then they would have like found the bodies presumably i'm just talking like hypothetically but the fact that there was nothing like that and they were just like standing in the corner and then knocked out from behind the camera and stuff 
builds up the believability of them, you know, fucking disappearing off the face of the earth. Right. No, I mean, if the if the Blair Witch can control, you know, the sun and a compass, then she can probably also move some bodies. <laughs> just the scary movie version of this is her just like, fuck, Mike is heavy. <laughs> like as she's dragging his body. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, you know, I, as we're talking about this being like one of the first found footage horror movies and it being so well done, I think even like found footage horror movies that are made today, some of them aren't even as well done, like well made as this one. But in the same vein as like watching Spinal Tap, it's this is kind of like a mockumentary. How how so? Well, like a mockumentary it's believed to be like a true documentary, but everyone's an actor and everything is scripted. This was believed to be like a true found footage, but everyone's an actor and everything is scripted. I guess I think you need a different term for it though. Cause like mockumentary implies like it's funny. <laughs> well, with <laughs> yes, without the comedy element, it's exactly like a mockumentary. I did laugh a few times, but I don't know that I would. Yeah. One thing that uh, I kind of said this earlier, but it is kind of crazy that you don't see like a lot more sort of big success from the creators of this. So Daniel Myrick, Eduardo Sanchez, it's it's interesting that you don't kind of see like a bigger career after this from them. They do anything like nothing I recognize, honestly. Um, obviously they make bad horror movies all the time. Um, but yeah, nothing crazy. I mean, it's just when you have such a, a return on investment <laughs> as this movie, it uh, just, yeah, that's the thing, right? They, they made like $200 million, just fucking sit back and retire. No, no, no. Well, depend. I mean, they sold it for 1.1 million. So I don't know how much, if they, if they kept any like points and then, you know, Hollywood, they fuck with the the accounting so i don't know if it's a, that scenario if it's just like a people didn't want to work with them again maybe they had one great idea and that was it or like they just weren't given the opportunity i don't know but to have such a wildly successful movie off of such a small budget it is it is something maybe i maybe i should have looked into it before i just dropped this question at the end of the podcast but it is just interesting to me the same with like you know, I don't. I looked. I didn't think Mike's done a whole lot. Josh has had some roles here and there, and like I said, Hump Day, great movie. Go find it if you can. And like some other stuff, he's probably been the most successful out of the three. Heather had to quit acting. It it just is a little bit wild because going into this, I was like, I don't know who the three actors are that came out of this movie. So obviously they didn't get famous. So that leads me to believe that the acting is going to be shit, and it wasn't. It was actually really great. Um. So it's just sort of a surprising thing that nothing like there wasn't anything, anyone big that came out of this. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I really enjoy it. I think, you know what? I think it's a really good movie to like watch with a group of people, especially a group of people who've never seen it before. Actually, if you could fucking find someone who has never heard of this movie before and like make them also believe this was real found footage, that would be fun to watch with that person. Yeah, I mean, that you'd have to get like a specific, I don't know, maybe you could trick your child. We'll, we'll try one day. No. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting way to do it. Uh, I think you could make it happen. Just you'd have to find some fucking young kid. Um, but yeah, this was a, this was a great watch, and um, that's really all there is to say about that. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched the Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project sounds like a fucking 2002 band. <laughs>